This, I think this was a nice loving, but I feel like if anyone's listening, it's not to hear us congratulate each other. Uh, it's to hear us do a topic. All right, we have to get to work. Enough lovemaking. And, and I know people will poo-poo this. You are now listening to Good, Bad, or Bullshit. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Good, Bad, or Bullshit, uh, the podcast where three handsome, intelligent gentlemen get together and discuss uh, a topic selected at random with little or no preparation and uh, have a lively debate where at the end they determine if the topic is good, if the topic is bad, or if the topic is bullshit. So with me, as all other weeks that we have done this show, my two friends, uh, of many friends that I have, but the two that I do this show with are Michael Hodgins and Bo Schwartz. Gentlemen, welcome. Uh, thank you, and hello. Hello, hello to you both this fine day. <laughs> now, b- before we do anything today, uh, I would like to mention that this is a extremely significant episode of GBB. <laughs> um, not because I opened the show, although those are always the most significant ones, but because one of us has a large and historic announcement to make and without further ado michael hodgins well i don't know if it's historic but um i guess it is personally (laughs) so yes my wife andrea gave birth to uh our son on sunday two days ago i guess (laughs) two days ago that's amazing congratulations congratulations thank you thank you i think all the congratulations go to andrea she was amazing and uh i'm totally in awe of her very emotional experience but it all went amazingly well um it's a scary thing watching a human being being born but also amazing and uh it's just crazy to think that we're just mammals and to watch it happen it's uh it's very intense experience but uh but yeah, I feel uh, very uh, very thankful. And the little guy's name is his name is Ivan Sturdy Lee Hodgins. That's his name. Ivan Sturdy Lee Hodgins. You know, little <clears throat> funny funny side note. I only know one other Ivan, and he was my um, he, he. I had a friend in in kindergarten elementary school named Ryan, and his dad was Ivan, but his brother's name was Michael. So Ivan <laughs> had a son named Michael, and now. Uh, the second Ivan I know has a father named Michael. So there's a lot of Michaels, it's not that cir- many Ivans. Yeah, it's the circle of life. <clears throat> and um, Sturdy was actually Andrea's grandfather's name. Awesome name. So we thought we would pay homage to him yeah. and uh, and put that in as a middle name. Actually, that that's a good like shout out to our to our episode on middle names. And uh, we talked about uh, things like paying homage to family member. And Lee is Andrea's and Andrew's moms, both of their middle names. So, so yeah, pay an homage to the family. And uh, and, I, and I had a great uncle named Ivan. He was a, a nice fellow. And there's Ivan's and Andrea's family as well. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I don't want to ramble a, on and about a, this. And a high degree of nickname potential in the future with names like Ivan and Sturdy. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we thought better to have options than yeah. more options than not enough. <laughs> One thing that's interesting, too, is you gave a very uh, – Nice props to Andrea for for what I'm sure is a, quite an experience giving birth, one that we will never, ever be able to 
relate to or share. But it must be crazy, like for the babies, like for Ivan oh. himself. Like, think about the experience that he had. You know what I mean? Like, that's got to be n- nuts. And like, I know nobody really remembers remembers it. I think there's probably a reason why that is because yeah. it's got to be traumatic. I mean, and that baby came out purple. And 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 he and he was he was good really. We had a very smooth uh, delivery. Some babies have a very hard uh, labor, and it's got to be hard on them. But they seem pretty resilient. I mean, they bounce. It's it's they're, they're definitely like this sturdy name kind of work because I'm like, wow, he's a lot sturdier than I thought he was going to be. Like I had this impression of babies being so fragile. I mean, you have to be careful and stuff, but. Um, no, but tough, apparently tough. they're 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 soft. Like the bones are soft, makes them you know more uh, makes them. You shared a link about them being stronger to things like being dropped and stuff like. that. Yeah, like they're they have like way more bones than us, and their bones are all bendy. They're they're tough little tough little creatures, but they still need a lot of love and attention. And sure, yeah, um, yeah. Anyways, hmm. getting used to it and. Uh, it's certainly a life-changing event. One you'll soon be experiencing in Crofton. Yeah, no, I know. So I have more curiosity than maybe most uh, on on the subject matter. And uh, I know a lot of people uh, who have had babies recently. And honestly, a lot of the a lot of scary uh, birth stories. Uh, everybody seems to want to share them. Even older uh, relations, they want to tell me their their old crazy birth stories but even a lot of my recent friends like preeclampsia and like uh and um uh emergency c-sections and all this so you guys had had uh it really smooth and i'm i'm happy for you but at the same point i was sort of thinking like wow the odds are really in our favor of everything going well because everybody else is having all sorts of problems but now you guys well it went, it went really well so hopefully the, the odds are still i'd in say our the favor. odds are still in your favor because i mean it really we had like a very normal birth it might have been a little bit quicker even um but that that sort of runs in andrew's family um but uh, yeah, definitely everything went really smooth. And it was interesting because uh, one of the midwives who was present said uh, she had ha- been at a very difficult birth the uh, uh, the day before. And she was like, oh, this birth was like good medicine for her because, you know, sometimes they do go very, 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 very difficult. And other times they're very smooth and beautiful. So um, really, yeah, we had things all good. Yeah. I just want to take this moment to say hello to Ivan, who may sometime in the future be wondering what his dad was doing near the day of his birth, and this would be one of those things. So, uh, hello, Ivan, from Michael, your dad, and Crofton and me. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a it's time true. nugget. It is It is a time nugget. He could listen to this. Like We may not have many <laughs> listeners, but who knows? He may be a future listener. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. Uh, You'd be like, Dad, are you things. still doing that lame podcast with your loser friends? <laughs> Ivan's gonna not gonna be like that. Let's hope not. All right. And speaking of lame topics, why don't we pick one or, or have one given to us from the random topic generator, Mike? Let's do it. All right. You get it ready. We may have to move this machine out of Mike's garage uh, or his house. I'm I'm concerned about it being near a newborn child. I think it can't be good. <laughs> that's a good point, Crofton. Well, that's, that's why I'm out in the garage. We should at least get an emissions test it's done. It's definitely on it. not good for emissions. Um, the topic today is uh, government internet monitoring. And some notes with that are like NSA, CSIS in Canada, PRISM. That sort of thing. What do you guys know about okay. this? Okay, yeah. So, well, this is, it's basically, um, we have this newfangled thing in the world called internet. Uh, you guys have heard of it? 
Okay, it wasn't a serious question, but <laughs> there's this thing called internet. And, you know, the thing about computers is that everything is infinitely copyable. And, um, you know, your ISPs can, can sneak a peek at the data that is transferring from the pipe of your house. And so governments are like, well, what a great way. We love freedom and we hate terrorists and we hate, um, you know, criminals. And so what a great way almost almost to prevent crime or to catch crime is if we can somehow leverage this for the safety and protection of citizens and thus, um, you know, the government's going to, you know, spy on your webcam. They may be listening to this call right now or at least taking grabs of it. Um, your email's getting transferred. They may sneak a peek and have a look at what's written in the emails. Um, and this guy, I think, I can't remember his first name, but the Snowden guy who was a big whistleblower for the States, you know, let the world know that essentially, like, like there is a huge um, like server farm or a compound where the U.S. government, at least with respect to U.S. citizens, are just collecting data, like vast amounts of data, anything it can grab, um, and just storing it and keeping all this information on its citizens. And um, there are a lot of morality uh, questions, I think, associated with, you know, it's like the equivalent of someone you send a letter. Well, they get to have the right to sneak a peek at what you wrote in your letter. You know, um, and privacy is definitely something I think that citizens of a free country all value. Do you guys have anything to add? To well, that? I think it's a good. I definitely think it. It's a good intro, and uh, and we did talk about Edward Snowden uh, not too long ago. Yeah, what um, was the context of that? I think it, it was might have been whistleblowing of some kind. We were no, it was loyalty. We were talking about being loyal uh, to the state uh, or being loyal yeah. to the people, um, and how. Uh, Edward, Edward Snowden uh, has been branded a traitor by his country and is now living in exile in Russia, ironically, of all places. Um, and, uh, and yeah, no, they, they, his country has repeatedly said uh, if he returns to the United States that he would you know, be facing uh, treason charges and this sort of thing. Um, and is that is that justified? And you have you have a set of people that are championing Edward Snowden and see him as a hero, as somebody who uh, who is is uh, you know putting the 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 rights of his his fellow citizens above and beyond the say the rights of the government or the powers of the government. And then on the other side of the the coin, you have. You have uh, ardent uh, supporters of essentially law and order in the most part saying like, well, look, you've got this guy um, who, who is giving himself the power to, to whistle blow uh, and, and he could potentially uh, share all sorts of damaging uh, secrets. And they're saying he, you know, that he already has that has essentially weakened the, the security fabric of his country and therefore is, is – uh, endangering lives in some way shape or form so these are the sort of two views taken with regards to this and now it's a huge it's kind of a huge topic and even we're in canada and we have heard uh, i you know i don't i don't think it's to the same degree here but there are programs as well uh, uh that are uh, i always laugh when i think about canada because like i mean I'm almost impressed at the level of snooping that the states are able able to do. Like we're unable well, I, to I do don't know like that that's well, so, well, some of the most though. basic things. And we are, yeah. I heard. I'd like to. I just I read an article just recently about. Um, they keep talking about this. It's kind of a controversy in Canada. This thing called the Spy Palace because they spent 
tons of money on this giant building for CSIS, Canadians Security, whatever spy agency, for lack of a knowing what the acronym means. Um, and basically, I read some things saying because recently we've had a lot of cuts in our government because we have a government who's you know trying to cut back on uh, expenditures and all that. So most all governments have lost a lot of money, except for CSIS, which has had its budget almost doubled and has hired something like 30% more staff in the last year. So that's the way things are, are, are going. And and uh, it's kind of hilarious. So it's like, we'll cut back on, you know, Health Health Canada got slashed, Environment Canada gets slashed, Parks get slashed, all these social services things get cut. But of course, the spy agency, let's double their funding. Um, it's just the era we live in, one where of fear and uh, that uh, it's, it's I mean, you guys say it out, but it's like it's it's like I feel like it's sort of this guise of 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 security against things like terrorism. But I think it goes a bit beyond that too. Yeah, it's more. Yeah, like I just increasingly as our lives as we use internet in our daily lives, then more and more we leave behind a footprint of information that you know other people could be interested in. In Canada, I find the big talk. I don't hear a lot about. You know, CSIS doing stuff, but that doesn't mean it's not happening. But we definitely have a big net neutrality conversation here in Canada. There's been demonstrations on the Hill, and it it's sort of it's sort of based on the same principle, except um, what you know, internet service providers are going to do is look at the kinds of data you're transferring and elect, you know, decide. Oh, you shouldn't be getting this torrent information, so we're going to slow it down or stop it. But um, here are some of our uh, partner businesses like I'm Bell Media, so I own CTV. So we're going to make sure CTV stuff uses up a lot of bandwidth to the detriment of of other things. And you know, there's a lot of concern that on, on a uh, on an ethical scale, net neutrality is like just provide me with the pipe. You have no right to look at what's going on in the pipe or make any decisions or change things. And then I think you know the, the to extend it to the, how well governments treat it. While well, they say, well, we have an uh, you know a, a duty to protect our citizens, and so you're going to have to give up some of your privacy rights in order for us to do our job effectively because everything's happening on the internet. And I think that's that's very scary because. Um, you know, I feel I feel like you know a lot of stuff that we do on the internet is, is you know we're talking with loved ones. Is we don't want people to see that. Um, and there was a big controversy in the UK, and I mentioned this on another episode where, um, despite in in association with the states, they were taking um, they were grabbing uh, screenshots of of uh, like not Skype but Yahoo chat video chat calls and storing them. And, you know, they were looking for, I guess, certain people or there was some objective. I don't remember what it was, but a lot of what they were taking pictures of were people having like video sex chat sessions, which, you know, whatever your opinion on it is, if someone's going to do it, they want to kind of do it in privacy. And maybe they don't want the government taking pictures and storing them, uh, engaging in this activity. And I don't know if it's good enough to just say, well, don't do that kind of thing, Um, you know. Because I mean, it's it's there's no disclaimer when you sign up for Yahoo Screen that oh by the way the government might be spying on this so you want to think about what you're doing like people aren't introduced to this technology with in this kind of fashion. It's it's interesting. I sort of have uh, thoughts on this. I mean, because personally, I feel like I'm a pretty open person, and uh, and I and if there's something I don't really want on the internet or I don't 
put it on. So I'm a little bit like, whatever. I don't really care if anyone looks at my emails. I'm like, good, you know, have fun being bored looking at my correspondence with people. Uh, it's sort of the way I look at it. And the websites I go to are pretty innocuous. Um, so like, I'm not personally, I'm not too concerned. And I just don't really care about that. So, um, but I do feel like so. Since so that's on a personal note, I'm kind of like, you know, it's just you're you're you know, you're putting yourself out there. So you know, someone's going to see it somewhere because the internet is a kind of public space, right? So if you were to go do something in the street, someone might see it. So it's just, it's almost kind of I can see it that way. But the part of me, the other part, the principled part that really irks me is things like um, is the fact that it's this is all done. I mean, we talk about it's largely done in the name of like the war on terror, so, so to speak, and uh, and that because a lot of these cells or whatever organize themselves on the internet, that we need to monitor everything, everything so that we can, you know, get this, uh, get these people before they have some terrorist attack. But the crazy thing about that, and the amount of resources and the and and the potential rights to privacy that we're giving up, is it's actually an insane uh, proposition. If you think about your statistics of your statistical chances of being hurt or killed in a terrorist attack. They're virtually non-existent. I mean, you're so much more likely to get killed in a car accident. I mean, I know that's not the way our brains work, but the fact the amount of resources we're spending on something that is frankly not going to hurt many people uh, compared to something like, say, highway traffic, um, you know, something that maybe we should be putting more resources into reducing the amount of deaths in. It's just the irrationality of fear. And that's that's the state we that's the current state of affairs. But what we're trading off for something that's not likely to hurt us at all, like war on terror, we're trading off some fundamental rights, rights to privacy. And that's my principled view. So personally I'm like, whatever, but then my the principles are like, you know, we can't allow this. This is this trade off does not make sense. Um I just uh I was thinking earlier when when you guys were both talking about a situation that I've encountered recently and this is sort of a different a different angle to this cuz it's about like it's sort of like we're talking the government but also internet service providers themselves so in Canada the big ones are like Rogers and Telus and Bell and uh and I just I just think that that um right now I'll I'll give you a personal anecdote. I'm having an issue with my internet service provider. I won't name them even though I really they they irk me. Um, oh come on, Cross. You should name them. Go ahead and name them. Okay, Rogers. Uh it's Rogers. <laughs> I hate Rogers. Um so the the thing is what's happened is that I've received um on my now on my uh cell phone bill a $50 uh, excess surcharge for data usage, so usage over my my monthly allotment. Uh, so fifty dollars, and in particular, they were able to break it down and say that on on Ju- uh, June eighth, I used four and a half gigabytes of data on my cell phone. Uh, so I have a six gig a month plan, and uh, I always use the same amount every month. More or less, and that this this month I used four and a half gigabytes on one particular day. Now that day happened to be uh, my mother's birthday, uh, and I was with my mother all day, uh, and I had my phone with me, and I have sort of records of, of of what I did, and I definitely did not use that that information, right? So so I 
I called the the company, and uh, they said because they don't want to, you know, take me at my word, uh, and I'm unable to provide any sort of proof that I didn't use the data. They they are having their tech team supposedly look into how that data was used on June eighth. and I was I was totally unaware that they were able to do this. I want them to do it because I have no clue if there was some sort of magic way my phone was using data, especially when I had no cell phone connection in Wakefield. I would have been interested to know what that is. But um, but the the thing that surprised me or that flabbergasted me was that they had this ability to look in and see, hey, he used you know X data. To even if it was just for a topic writ large, like downloading an app, streaming a video, you know, or something like that, uh, I wasn't aware that our internet service providers, I guess, really had that level uh, uh, of detail about each of their subscribers' use. And I'm wondering, like, when do they destroy that information? Um, how how closely do they work with the government to share that information? And honestly, it was kind of a it was a little bit of a wake up call. Part of me was happy that they did because I'm like they're able to look into this and if there's somebody like trying to access my phone or use data remotely or something like that, maybe they can figure it out. But the other part of me was like, holy crap, they they know literally everything I'm doing. And uh, that was kind of scary. Yeah, um, actually, they have to do that because um, on the one hand, like there's a lot of moving pieces to the whole Internet thing. And one of them is that you have a data cap. And if you go over, they're going to charge you per megabyte. So they've got to keep you know, if they're if they're a um, upstanding business, they're keeping records of what they're charging. You know, you don't go to the gas station, and um, he's like, "Well, I guess you had got about thirty liters of gas, so it'll be about this." No, you know exactly how much you've pumped, and the machines are supposed to accurately charge bill you for the rate, um, or else it's unethical. Yeah, so I think, but it's it's more than that. It. It's not it's not just oh, no, the I'm amount sure of data. There, right, yeah. because they they give that to me in the bill. They're transparent about that. They're, what they're doing now is they're looking into exactly how that data was used, so right. that they have that ability is what blows my mind. Yeah, and that's unsurprising. There was, um, uh, you know, the, the the famous. I don't know if you guys heard of this, but uh, the the production company behind the movie Hurt Locker uh, got butt hurt um, about pirating, and you know they were going after people in the states for for downloading the movie, not just distributing it. They were trying to punish people for even downloading it through torrents. And they came to Canada, and I think they got Bell to release. I think they finally got a court to agree to get Bell Canada to release IP addresses, which is, that's your address on the internet, so to speak. Basically, I de- you know, uh, it's, I think it, I don't know, I think it's still in contention, but at one time it was protected. Like you can't, it's inadmissible as evidence in a court of law because you have to break privacy laws to obtain it. But in a certain case, I think, and I haven't followed it since, they did grant this information. So um, definitely the the ISPs, I would just assume they know your internet history. Like if you're going to, uh, I don't know, some hate site or something like that, they may have that information that you're a regular visitor of some sort of site that would, uh, you know, potentially end up incarcerating you or that information could be used against you. Not that I'm defending that kind of thing. I think that's a bad example. But but it, um, but it is interesting yeah. though because it. I think I mentioned this slightly before, but I, I can't come back to this thing of like, there's no we have this view that oh what I do on the internet that's my private business but why do we have this assumption that the internet is a private sphere I mean is it not it's well, it is yeah, public sphere 
I do my banking on the internet, and I don't expect the rest of the world to know my banking, except for what you know. I guess it needs to be reported to the government. I well, mean, it's, but it's the, not the, the idea that it's I, not necessarily the rest of the world. I mean, because if you think about it, all like already, it's it's annoying. Like the government thing is one issue, but for sure, like I think people take for granted or don't think about the fact that Google knows everything you do, and you can see it be, because the ads start coming up in Google that just basically reflect your recent search results. So, I mean, is it better? At least with them, I have you have a sense, or you hope you have a sense that like, well, Google's just doing it to try to make money on ads. But what exactly is our government doing w- with with information? Especially, say, if you're a politically active person or a political dissident in a supposedly yes. free country, uh, to have someone sort of monitoring you, uh, it, it is a bit scarier than something like Google putting ads up. But I but I feel like it is out there. It it, it is sort of public. Yeah, you do your banking on it, but you don't have to. Uh, and it's you know quote unquote secure for your banking's website. But if you had an issue with that, you could just go down to the branch and try to, yeah. you know. I, I feel th- like it is sort of a public space, and there's always some risk in going on there. And there's some amount of personal responsibility as to like, well, if you're going to put something out there or do something on there, someone might be watching it. In the same way yeah. that if you went to like you're talking, if you go to like hate websites, but if you go to a hate rally too in perfect in person, someone might see you doing that, and you know you might get a reputation in your neighborhood or or whatever. Yeah. It's just broader on the internet. Yeah, like I mean, you make a good point. It's just um, I think I think we're if we're not using the internet for things, we're definitely behind. I think the way the industry and society is shaping is, you know, if I want to apply for work, the best way to get the to get you know good jobs is to do it through online and find connections online. Like it's it's such a, it's becoming such a ubiquitous and valuable resource that you are definitely behind if I have to manually go to every business to get my errands done, whereas I can do it in two minutes at home with the rest of the world. Um, and the other thing too that the argument that like if you've got nothing to hide, you shouldn't be worried about it. Whatever. I don't like. I think you're. I agree more with the whole sense that like. Who knows when that can all change, and then you're a political dissident, or for whatever reason, um, all of a sudden that it's it's being pointed at you. Um, I just I really feel like that it, there's, I feel like it's crossing a, 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 an ethical boundary where it's not good enough to say, you know, well, if you have nothing to hide, you should be fine because sometimes people have reasons to want to hide things. For example, if I'm if I, I'm, I don't know. I'm trying to come up with a good example. Well, it's like, a, it's like, em, anybody, em, but. like <laughs> employers, you know, you often say like, if yeah, I want to apply great. for a job, I don't necessarily want my employer knowing that I'm into tattoo art or something. Um, and it's all hidden at work, but that's my private life. So, I mean, and you might have an employer discriminate against you for that. They find it on the internet. So I totally can see that. And it makes sense to me too. Well, there was a, there was a historic um, lawsuit in Great Britain not too long ago. Again, it was against Google, and essentially, it was a guy who who was arguing that um, that uh, there should be a sort of best before date with regards to information related to him. At one point, it becomes redundant, tri- trivial, and is no longer of value, and therefore should be removed from. A Google search engine. So if somebody searches uh, his name and he did something, you know, I don't know, he was a goth as a teen and he signed up to some goth website and that website keeps coming up when he's like 35, um, it, he could write to Google and say, hey, you know, take the, uh, stop displaying this. Uh, this is no longer, you know, relevant information or stop, stop indexing it and this sort of thing. And um, he won in court, 
essentially. And now Google is being bombarded by requests from um, uh, Great Britain's and, and there's talk about this moving to Canada and the States of people who are who are sending emails saying, I want you to stop indexing this or I want you to stop this. This should no longer, you know, be shown. This is no longer relevant, you know, because people as people as we grow up, we were born in the pre-internet age. And as people grow up in the internet age, there's a transcript of their entire lives. So everything from like you used to you say you had a magazine subscription in the past yes the company that that you had a magazine subscription to uh knew that you had that subscription and you knew you had that subscription but now if you have an online account with any any sort of service there's a good chance that that people other than yourself or the and that organization are aware of this or can obtain this or can obtain entire historical storylines uh, for people's lives. And, and this wasn't an issue before. Uh, and it, I can see how it's concerning. And, and, and there was a talk a few years back about it still being the Wild West in terms of the internet. And I think you can see as we move into this generation uh, where people are born in the internet age, where their baby photos are on Facebook. All my Facebook is people's babies' photos now. And it's it's crazy to think that those kids are literally going to be like their entire lives are going to be chronicled through through the web. And so we mentioned net neutrality earlier, but like there's a certain amount of rules and pathfinding going on. And I think the whole cyberbullying debate is another example of this. And when we're talking about we talk about terrorism in terms of protection of uh, information or information for the public good. But another big, big issue with, with sharing information right now has been uh, cyberbullying claims, people who commit suicide and police trying to investigate what happened and needing to get sort of transcripts and all that sort of thing. And I can sort of see the merit in those cases, but it's such a slippery slope. Yeah. But But like – because I think that's a serious issue, but it happens over – you know, services that are acknowledged at, like, if you go on Facebook, you know, even if you put the privacy thing in, there are, at least nowadays, although more so, you know, you're on a social media site. Like in the employer example, if I put up, you know, X, Exxon's a stupid company and a post, and then I apply for a job there, well, okay, because Facebook is acknowledged as like a public venue. Like, but it's more that um, if I send you a private message, Michael, and say, yeah, I'm applying for this job. I think the company's dumb, but I'm applying anyway because I'm an idiot, um, that somebody could access that information, like putting a phone tap in your phone back in the good old telephone days. Like, like there's people listening in that you, you've not given consent, even if that consent is tenuous. I know there's a lot of issues with it. The idea that the government's like, well, there's this internet stuff out here and it's all just data. Let's just take it. And um, I feel like that's ethically that's wrong, <laughs> you know. Even if it gives us an edge in some perceived war on terror or crime. Yeah, I mean uh, that that you you ended almost on a note of um, uh, verdict like note. Yeah, I think we can get into verdict. Yeah. So maybe I should just uh, f- you know keep walking the ball to the net. Sure. Go for <laughs> um, it. Yeah. So all right. So the government. 
governments of the world, I don't know how many governments, probably all in governments of the world are engaged in cyber warfare to some extent. Um, you know, there was another story about there was this uh, crazy ass virus that was um, that was discovered in Iran, and, and what was particular about it? Because I, I listen to security podcasts, so they were very fascinated with its how small it was and how effective it was at taking screenshots and reporting information to places they couldn't find. And eventually, I think it was Kapersky, the, the antivirus people, figured out what it was that it was the United States had like perfected this super spy virus. Um, that was virtually impossible to te- detect. That was uh, that was present in Iran, collecting information as part of cyber warfare. And then, as these things get created, um, they just get used by third parties, or you know, like now they're it's out in the wild and it exists. And um, that's why you have to keep your antiviruses uh, updated. Um, so it's just governments are engaged in cyber warfare, but I think when they start turning their guns on their own people because, you know, they don't trust the people that are inside and start violating their privacy rights, rights which we value immensely, I think that's wrong. And um, I'm not suggesting they do nothing, but the conversation definitely needs to be much more transparent, much more public. Uh, That being said, I'm going to say that uh, the government spying on me is just outright bad. I think that is, there's no justifiable reason to... To spy on your own person unless you've, you know, I'm sure there's a proper channel when you need to investigate a criminal or something like that. But to investigate someone without any, yeah, it, just just to collect information for funsies. like Yeah, uh, no, and, it, and you said it there wrong. because sometimes I think the, the it's due, due process, right, is the issue. That due process. Normally, you know, you need a warrant for something to evade someone's privacy. But, you know, in this case, they're making laws where you don't require a, a warrant. And that uh, that really changes the changes the... I guess I'll go into my verdict here since I'm already rambling about this. Um, and I'll just go off and agree with Bo Radoff. Inter- government internet monitoring is bad. And though, and though I took an angle earlier and one that I do agree with, that there's a certain amount of personal responsibility for what you put out there. Um, you know, and, and thinking now that uh, I have a child and I, you know, I contemplated, should I put a picture on Facebook and... I don't think it's my style, so I'm just not going to do that. I don't, I'm not really going to be putting anything about him on Facebook because that's not really, I guess, how I use that site. And a little bit like, yeah, he can decide how to put his own self out there when the time is right. And uh, but, but I mean, that's everyone's uh, choice. So it's, it's, it's just you put stuff out there, it might get seen. Uh, but I have to come back to that principled stance of just. The amount of resources that are being that are being put into this uh, by our government are totally it's totally insane, and the trade offs we're making to fundamental rights are just not worth it. The value is not there. It's based on fear mongering, uh, and I think it's just illegitimate. And I think it's it is a very scary situation um, that people should really be more up in arms about than they are. We're just sort of letting it happen just because, and we're all scared. No one wants to die in a terrorist attack. Uh, but you're more likely to get struck by lightning like once a day than that happening. So, anyways, bad, and uh, I'll let Crofton finish this off. Yeah, it, it, I am. I agree with what both of you guys are saying. I, I do, and I'm I'm gonna go and head off of my verdict right now and say that I think government internet government internet monitoring is bad. But I will say I do think that there's a discrepancy to be made with um with uh stuff like like well, I I mentioned cyberbullying and I mentioned like having records of things and the idea that 
that human history like is is taking place online more now than ever and that we just hit the delete button um and we lose a lot of this information uh it, it is kind of sad like i and i think that there needs to be some sort of balance there for investigating crimes there has to be some sort of balance there but but for the context of this conversation as framed as both framed earlier the ongoing government internet monitoring program stuff like prism in the states that stuff is really uh, a threat to everybody's freedoms even if they don't see them and i and i agree wholeheartedly with both mike and bo said uh, and and how how mike indicated people are becoming a little uh uh, lazy with regards to protecting protecting their rights, and you know I see myself in this too, in the sense that like I like Mike mentioned earlier about how you kind of just keep thinking about what you do on the internet, and I'm like I don't give a crap what people see what I do on the internet. Like they can read all about me trolling video game websites, I don't care, you know. <laughs> uh, it, but but then Bo mentioned the banking and stuff, and yeah, I do online banking. I do a lot more online shopping now. My credit cards are on there. I I have I use um, uh, you know Gmail and this sort of thing in in which to communicate. Uh, with people it's it's never anything overly secretive or what whatever but like do i like the idea of people reading my you know my emails no not necessarily so i mean i i definitely see um see how it's worth fighting for even if but i can also appreciate how it's easy to be lazy about it and be like ah who really cares you know but the, the day that i'm locked up for being an insurgent cuz i went to some like video game website where you play as the Taliban in some game or something like that. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure I won't appreciate the, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think there is a, I think there is a game like that, but, um, you mentioned on the last episode, guys, you taught, you shared with the audience about the secret sex that you like to send me. You never know if that might get taken out of context one day. <laughs> yeah. The, the sex scene, my sex like, scene. Yeah, you'll, you'll lose a job opportunity because of a, um, some sort of deep dive into your texting history. No, like, I'm sir- proud of that. In fact, I put it on my resume generally. <laughs> Extensive sexting history with Bo Schwartz. So it's in hobbies. They're like, sir, we don't, we don't really have any issues with your sexting per se. Uh, it's more really the person you're sexting with that we have an issue. Uh, <laughs> you right, him up on the internet, my, and he's into some weird stuff. <laughs> yeah, because my file would definitely have a big X on it, or skull, or something, or radioactive sign. <laughs> radioactive. Sign. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Oh well, good one, boys. Yeah, yeah no, it's very good. I wanted to say. Uh, Crofton, I think it was you that said uh, something I never really considered before, that this next generation of people, the people you guys are bringing into the world, uh, I don't have one yet, um, are going to have their personal histories on the internet without any say, for the most part. And that's that's kind of crazy, just to think about it. Totally crazy, yeah. Yeah, no, and yeah. it's interesting what Mike and, – and it's good that there was at least some tie-in with the fact that Mike has had a child over the past <laughs> couple of days, which remains the huge news yeah. uh, to take away from this podcast. But, uh, but Yes, absolutely. I do, I do think that there is, there is a tie-in there. And I was thinking because, you know, it does aggravate me that everybody's, you know – 
turning their Facebook profile pics into pictures of their baby. I'm like, that's not you. That's your baby. And I was thinking about like, you know, when I have a child, people are going to be interested, aunts and uncles and all that sort of stuff. They're going to want to see all these photos. So maybe if I create a profile just for the child and then I have my profile and then the child has its profile and I put all the photos on there. But then this conversation has really made me think about like, yeah, you know, they would get no say in that. And, uh, um, and as a teenager, they would be like, "We don't. I don't want this stupid profile you made for me. I want my own." Well, profile I'm sure the technology my, you know? would have evolved 1,800 <laughs> times by then. But no, I, it's just just the fact that you're making you're putting them right out there into the public domain where somebody yeah. can sit down and Google Ivan Sturdy Lee Hodgins or whatever and find a find a profile of uh, of him with photos and that sort of thing and he never consented to it because his parents made that choice for him. It is an interesting thought and I never really considered it before. Yeah, and maybe that's where cyberbullying might start if you put a cute picture of him that all students make fun of you for because they're dumb because kids are dumb and make fun of ki- other kids for things that they don't, shouldn't. Anyways, good good job, guys. Uh, we took a heavy topic and and discussed it in a very intelligent way. So that's awesome. Uh, so I'm going to just run down real quick. If you want to find out more about the show, then you can visit our website, goodbadbull.com. There you'll find links to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and an RSS link. And listen, if you use Stitcher and you use iTunes, why don't you give us a review? We got another review from, from a listener, and we're super excited to get those. So it really makes our day. So if you're someone that is actually listening to the show on a regular basis and you love the show, please give us a, a little review. Do us the favor of doing that. We'd really appreciate it because you know we know listening to the show is probably favor enough. Uh, but I'm just pandering now. So please, please. It's <laughs> a good pandering. Um, all right. Yeah, great pandering up for me. All right. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Bo Schwartz, and you can find us on Facebook. There's a link on the site. Remember, the site is goodbadbull.com. Finally, if you want to have your voice heard on the show, send us an email with your thoughts to goodbadbull at gmail.com. Okay, I think that's going to wrap things up. Uh, Crofton, if our listeners want to find out more about what you're up to, is there anywhere that they can find you? Well, if our government overlords want a direct news feed into my brain, they can follow me at Croft and Steers on Twitter. It'll save them a lot of trouble. <laughs> I have this picture of like, you have a new follower on Twitter. It's like government spy. Yeah. Not spies. thesis. <laughs> at, at, uh, <laughs> government spy. Government spy. <laughs> awesome. Not thesis at com. They're like we we heard your show on our spy feed. I want to I uh, want to go make that Twitter account now. <laughs> <laughs> it, it may exist. Every tweet is like nothing to see here. Move along. <laughs> uh, and Mike, if uh, our if people want to find uh, you, uh, find out what you're up to, see your cool pictures or something like that, where can they find you? They can find they can follow me at at ML Hodgins, where I'll be sending a lot of misdirection out to our government overlords who are monitoring us. See, because I'm not involved in terrorism, but I feel if I if I send out tweets that might imply that, then they'll have a false sense of well, who I really am and throw them off my trail. Actually, maybe that's a bad idea. Maybe I won't do <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I Throw them off my trail, which I do not have. <laughs> I, envision, <laughs> I, do not have. I envision these like... 
How's Edward Snowden doing, everybody? Uh, terrorism for the win, y'all. Hashtag Al Qaeda. Um, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Misdirection. That's how I'm going to save myself. Like, here, here's a picture of me enjoying coffee with uh, Al Zakari. I don't even know. <laughs> Maybe let's not do this. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Yeah, they're listening right now. I think I hear SWAT team outside my door. I don't know these men. Bo Schwartz's apartment, better than being homeless.